Welcome to the Cosmic Eye Show, where we explore spiritual ideas and books that help you live a better life. Hosted by spiritual teacher and author of If You Can Worry, You Can Meditate, Jason Napolitano. All right, welcome to the Cosmic Eye Show. Uh, on the phone today again is co-host Chris Sheridan. I am your host, Jason Napolitano. And we are examining Meditation Disciplines and Personal Integration by Manly P. Hall today. So I'm excited about that one because uh, I love meditation and and uh, I love Manly Hall. So, Chris, welcome. Good to be here, Jason. How you doing today? Uh, terrific. Fantastic. All right. So we are going to get into Mr. Manly Hall today. First, uh, I wanted to just say a little bit about ourselves for any listeners that might be new. I, as I said, am Jason Napolitano. I have a book called If You Can Worry, You Can Meditate, which is available now on Amazon.com. Or you can check out my stuff on CosmicEye.org or follow me on Instagram at, at Jason Napolitano. And that's on the CosmicEye.org site as well. And Chris, why don't you introduce yourself a little bit and talk about some of your stuff real quick, and then we'll jump into it. Okay. I'm Chris Sheridan, and along with you, I've been studying metaphysics and spirituality and consciousness for decades, making it a life's work. And I have a book out called The Spirit in the Sky. It's also on Amazon. It's a memoir about an experience I had in a plane crash, and um, I've just you know, I just used to work at the Philosophical Research Society, as did you. That's where we met uh, the foundation, the nonprofit that Manly Hall started. And it's just great to be able to get into some of his material and talk about it and get this out there. So I'm excited for I, that. I highly agree. And I'm, uh, you know, sometimes I, we won't speak of it. This is our third third podcast. And actually, our first podcast was on the secret teachings of all ages, which is, of course, Manly Hall's most famous work. And I would encourage any listeners who uh, would like to check that uh, episode one out of our podcast to get a little more information on Manly Hall and kind of get oriented towards uh, towards what he's all about. Um, right. And, you know, I, I, I also want to say I'm excited to be able to, to share stuff about him because he is one of my one of my heroes in this uh, in this metaphysical world as as he is one of yours as well. Right. Correct. Oh, definitely. Yeah. So and, and our time at PRS was definitely, definitely valuable. And I would say that it changed the way that I, you know, I look at esoteric and and occult and, and spiritual work in general, just having spent some time there. It really was a, a blessing to be there. Oh, it certainly was. I, all right. So today we're doing something a, a little different. We're going to go through a portion of the book. Last the, the last podcast, we went through the entire book. And it, it was a little, I think, a little bit much, maybe, uh, especially for something as dense as this. So what we did is we're breaking it down and we're doing parts one and two. And that was Chris's idea. And thank you for that. Sure. All right. So. Let's just jump right in. Again, the book is titled Meditation, Disciplines, and Personal Integration, and that's by Manly P. Hall. It's one of the pamphlets. There's a couple different ways that you can get this book. It's a 76-page uh, pamphlet that is available on Amazon, and I think, do they have it on PRS.org as, as, well, as well? I think so. Um, okay. I haven't checked their website in a while, actually, but... Uh... Right. But yeah, and, and even if you get it from Amazon, it, it's probably coming through the warehouse anyway. Through PRS. Okay, perfect. And you also, you had found it on online for free somewhere, right? Yes. Well, this um, pamphlet was pulled together from some journal articles. Uh, actually, the PRS Journal is actually the name of this periodical. It came out quarterly. And in 1962... Uh, he started running this series, you know, part one, part two, part three, and part four, uh, for the four quarters of 1962. So if you look up the PRS journal, 1962, uh, there uh, are scans, PDF scans of these journals uh, that are also text searchable, and they're cataloged and indexed and things like that in a very easy to find, easy to navigate website. And the address of that website is manlyphall.info. So M-A-N-L-Y-P-H-A-L-L dot I-N-F-O, info. 
and, and then there's so much more there. It's an course. It's probably one of the best ones online as far as reprints and PDFs uh, and just a, a kind of a cataloging index of his works uh, broken down That's... even to the chapters. So it's, it's, an, it's an amazing resource. If you're interested in Manly Hall, yeah. I would steer you there before even my own website because um, Alan, who has been working on this, it's an incredible labor of love and he has some great stuff and he's had permission from the PRS to put up some of these reprints. So it's all in the up and up. Oh, that's fantastic. Okay. Yeah. Very, very cool. And thank you. Thank you, Alan, for, for that work. If you ever hear this, sure. Uh, because he's keeping, well, he's keeping that, uh, that work alive. We're like, we're trying to do so. All right, let's, let's get into this. So one of the things that stuck out for both of us in this book, um, is the ideas of the, the different functions and the different uh, parts of the mind and, and life and so forth. And Manley Hall makes a very good distinction in this book uh, about thoughts, feelings, actions, and so forth, and breaks those down. Talk a little bit ab about that and how, how, that, how that stuck out to you. Uh, and then I'll, I'll say some of my ideas on that as well. And I think that that's a really interesting way of looking at meditation a lot of times we don't think about because we think normal as like a concentration exercise i'm just sitting down and i'm oming or i'm i'm chanting or or i'm focusing on a holy object or something like that but manly hall's version of it is really quite a bit more comprehensive and more western in its scope um so can you can you can you talk about that a bit well, sure. The distinction he makes between contemplation and meditation is that contemplation is relaxed and focused thought on something you either know or something you know about. Uh, so it could be, well, I'm just going to focus on you know relationship or even just on love or even just on something general, but it's usually connected with some thing or some situation or condition that that is known maybe not all is known about it that's why there's contemplation so you can unfold more about that uh, but it does have a core or a seed kernel in something that's known contrasting with that he mentions that meditation is more for the soul that it is free of any thought object or feeling or even a concept um, that you're really just pondering uh, without really even grasping a thought. You're just opening yourself up to the mysteries of life and things that maybe can't be known directly, but you're having a direct connection, a direct interface um, with spirit and the all that is that's apart from the things and the stuff of the earth plane. So that's, yeah, that's a, that's a great point. And I think that that feeds in then to the, you know, the idea that you, um, you talked about earlier when we were speaking before the show, how that meditation in a sense, you didn't use these words, but I wrote this down that it sort of creates a gap between, for example, thought and action or thought and emotion or, or, you know, or those different sorts of sorts of states. And it, it allows you to sort of um, make a make a choice in there instead of being directed um, unconsciously by by I'm angry, and then I lash out or by this guy cut me off in traffic. So I'm forced to flip him the bird or whatever, whatever happens that that meditation and contemplation allow you to create space between maybe maybe thought or feeling and then subsequent action do you, do you think that's uh something you could talk about a little bit sure the the gap this separation uh, in the meditative state is to separate your thoughts or say let me put it this way and this is, i think is closer to the way he put it uh, that mainly hall put it was that you're separating the thinking mechanism that is your cognizing ability, um, whether it's through logic or reason, uh, the functioning of the mind, uh, separating that from the thoughts 
that you're thinking. So you're separating the, the thinker from the thought. You're separating uh, in the emotional category, you're separating um, the feeling process from any particular emotion, uh, even the physicality, even the physical body, because a lot of times, you know, meditation is so linked in with the body because it's, you know, nowhere else can you find a, a direct yeah. connection between the mind and the body, between, you know, relaxing, breathing, meditative and contemplative uh, practices. Um, you, can, you can count backwards from 10 with your eyes closed and you can just see that your, uh, and feel that your heart rate has, has been reduced. I mean, it's just, it just happens right away. But even on the physical level, that you're separating your physical existence or your concept uh, or your sense of being alive, you're separating yeah. that out from your body. And the reason for this separation is that your that these faculties, these functions uh, get so conditioned um, and I might even say contaminated um, by years of use, uh, just mm -hmm. like a, a component, like the pipes in your house or, you know, the exhaust system in your car or something like that. It gets used and it gets used and it gets used. And maybe some things that worked out, some ideas, some thoughts, maybe some feelings and beliefs that you have about the world and even some aches and pains or parts of your body that you're aware of. Um, have come about through years of experience and different situations uh, that maybe have caused this type of thinking or this emotional reaction. And sure. those become so ingrained that we don't even really think about them. Those sort of become the paradigm under which we operate personally. Well, they become, they become so unconscious then they become habitual and un, unquestioned, don't they? And then they're not even recognized. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's just exactly. kind of like how things are. Yes. And much less being questioned or anything. For sure. So this is a separation from just feeling the thinking. I have a thinker, uh, component. I have this thinking capacity. I can cognize, I can do that. I'm just working on the thinker, not what I'm thinking about, not trying sure. to change my thoughts, not even trying to improve what it is remember, or how uh, it is I'm thinking. Do you remember that? I, I hate to bring my book up, but do you remember that section where I talk about the witness behind the thoughts and what, trying to watch the thoughts dispassionately? Right. That's, I think that's, that's exactly what, it. That's what he's getting at, isn't he? So, and the same thing with your feelings. Um, I have feelings. I am a feeling person. Um, but I'm trying to separate that from what it is I feel, how it is I feel about this thing. Exactly. And you're not exactly. going to lose that. You're still going to feel about things. You're still going to think about things and you're still going to live in your body, but you're yeah. taking a, a break from the stuff of it. Uh, just, you know, again, I'll go back to the car. It's instead of like, well, what gas am I going to put in my car? I'm going to drive on a better road. I'm going to, you know, use my car in a better way. Uh, you're not even driving the car at this point. You're just working on the car. <laughs> you're just improving the functionality of the car, just like your thoughts, feelings, and your physicality. So uh, the meditation and the contemplation then become almost like a form of uh, like, like a mechanical, what do you want to call it? A, uh, like a tune-up or something for the brain in a sense. Sure, yeah. Well, the brain, you could even use a computer analogy that um, you're not, it's not that you're, you know, writing something better in your word processor, you're looking sure. at better websites through your browser. Um, you're actually taking the computer offline and maybe you're optimizing the hard drive. Maybe you're clearing out the junk, uh, stuff that's slowing it down. You're, you're just making the operation of it more efficient by detaching from, because it's burdened by, uh, you know, there's a difference between driving your car up a hill if it needs a tune up, but if you're not even driving it, and then you're working on maybe, you know, fix the spark plugs or improve what you need to do so it runs more efficiently. So mm -hmm. we're not trying to drive it and fix it at the same time. This is, this is leaving what it is you're thinking about or feeling or experiencing in your body. You're just separating out from that and we're just having an experience. And the way you said it is perfect with the, the witness. We're just, and if a thought or emotion or, you know, body ache or pain, you know, gets in, or it crops up, and it can, uh, then just notice it. Don't try to get rid of it. Don't try to improve it or change it or yeah. anything. Just say, oh, that's there. Okay. And you notice yeah, that exactly. because you have a cognizing ability that noticed that, but then let go of the that 
and get back to just the function. Well, he talks also about uh, throughout the book. And the interesting thing about this, just a really quick aside of all Manly Hall's work in this book in particular, is that, you know, it, it is linear in a sense. And there is, you know, there's a coherent structure to the book. But the beauty of Manly Hall's work is the fluidity and the kind of um, it's packed full of so much good stuff that it's almost like an exercise in contemplation just to read the book. You've got to spend enough time on each sentence and paragraph to really allow it to penetrate. And one, one of the things that he talked about in there that I thought was so great throughout it. And then I kind of I didn't at first I was kind of confused by it, but he kept talking about thoughtfulness and my mind immediately goes to being thoughtful towards other people and, you know, being a nice person. But I think what he's what he's talking about and correct me if you see it differently, but I think he's talking about being mindful, not so much thoughtful, but mindful and in the moment and paying attention to what's actually happening within and without so that you you can be a nice person and a good person and a, and a you know, a just person. And I think that's one of the things that is is maybe missing in some people's practice today. And Manly Hall stresses this a great deal in the book about how meditation and contemplation are helping one to be a better person. Right. Right. And it's, and it's by this detaching from the worldly conditioning that affects our soul and our being um, that we can, we can actually get some leverage and can actually do it because it's all that stuff is actually keeping it us from a higher spiritual state uh, of consciousness. Yeah, because we're we're habitually acting instead of consciously acting, right? Yeah, and you're not yeah. even trying to elevate your thoughts or even you know raise your vibrational frequency, or th- sure. which you're probably doing anyway. If, yeah, if exactly. you're doing this, but you're not really directly. You're just separating the thinker from the thought, the feeler from the emotion, sure. and the living being from the physical body long enough to because that is where spirit is your soul uh, if we indeed do have an eternal soul that goes on that was somehow present before we entered this world and will continue after we as a physical uh, you know mental body leave Amen. Uh, those things are those are beyond that anyway the things of the soul the things of spirit the things of god if you choose to to use that i like that word um those those are really apart from the world. I mean, Jesus spoke of that. Buddha spoke of that. This kind of detachment, Absolutely. the world of illusion, the Maya from the sure, sure. My great Indian friends. Uh, but this is this is what's so great about this book. He gives a practical approach to it that a modern Westerner, who is maybe not all that versed in you know higher levels sure. of meditation that a yogi might have. Um, and, and can actually do that and kind of gives gives us and you a plan um, and a process by which that can be done. And it's not all that exotic or or um, unusual. It may be new, uh, a new concept or a new way of approaching it. But the approach itself is not um, difficult to, to get exactly. and, or to understand. Exactly. Well, that, uh, now, that... application takes some time, of course. No, exactly. And that I was going to say kind of naturally leads us into the next thing that we wanted to talk about. And that's the uh, the Pythagoras uh, method that he speaks of um, in the book. He speaks very briefly about it, but it's a very important concept and it's a very valuable one. And, and as I told you earlier, I actually, after uh, we started kind of looking at this book about a week ago and I've been reading it on a daily basis and, and doing some of this, uh, this uh, exercise. And it's been uh, really pretty remarkable. So basically, he speaks on page five. And it's like I said, it's brief, but I'll, I'll kind of I'm going to read it in his own words. He says, each morning at rising, the disciple was to contemplate the work of the day to come, seeking for weaknesses in his own nature, which might be corrected in the day or days ahead. At night, before sleep, a retrospective exercise was required. The disciple reviewed actions and conduct and was made aware of errors, failings, etc., where he made mistakes and so forth in order to correct them. So basically, the person who's practicing this, and I, like I said, I've been doing it myself. In the morning I get up, 
And before I get out of bed and before I do my, my, my meditation or right before I do my meditation when I'm sitting, I sit and go through and I, I think about the tasks that are coming up. And deeper than that, um, it's not just like a to-do list, but I think about the, the emotional content that goes along with it. And I look at what I'm trying to accomplish in a big picture sort of way and so on, so that I'm trying to activate those different parts of the self that, um, you know, to get them on board. So there's no uh, resistance that I'm unaware of. I, I watch the thoughts and feelings that come up when I think about the different achievements that I want to make during the day and so forth. It's very, very illuminating. I highly suggest it. The other part of it that's really great is, is the retrospective exercise where before you go to sleep and do this, you know, if you're a anxious person do this well before you go to sleep uh just looking back over the day start in the morning when you got up and kind of try to watch your you know kind of go back through your day up to the point where you're sitting you know in the present and evaluate what you did and how you felt about the different things and if there were some issues how you might correct those and, and so forth and it honestly it's been very illuminating and i'm 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 learning i'm learning a lot have, have you tried that type of stuff uh, in the past and has it worked for you as well? I have. And the concept of retrospection, uh, kind of looking back, this is, I'm going to do this backwards kind of at the end of the day. And, and great point to make. You don't want to bring up what happened and didn't happen throughout the day, right? When you're getting ready to go to sleep because then you can, you know, self-criticize. The point is, is to do it in kind of in a detached way. Okay, you know what? I screwed up. I didn't do what I said I was going to do. I did some things I didn't want to do. But you have to kind of be okay with that because that leaves something for the next day um, to start with. It's not, this isn't to judge yourself. It is to assess what you did and go, you know, okay, I scored about a, a five out of 10 on that. Maybe tomorrow I'll shoot for a six or something. Uh, so go easy point. on yourself um, for that. Uh, and I, I want to just um, continue with what you said about uh, the morning practice of of looking at what you you know want to accomplish during the day that it's not a to-do list not i mean it has that part to it uh, but it's also how you go about things do i want to greet today with with peace and compassion do i want to um confront maybe um a difficult relationship with one of peace and harmony instead of agitation and conflict uh, so it, it's, it's, yes, it's what you're, you know, what you want to do, but you can really also include that how you want to go about this. Am I going to face this day with humility and openness? How about that? I don't want to be as rigid a... in my thought. Maybe I'll be more open today about something. So it, it's really a, a richer, a fuller version than a, a to-do list. That's a very good point. And I'm going to break in real quick with, I just found this quote, uh, where he says, Planning is about attitudes, how one faces the challenges of the day. And that's what one is to do in that, in that, uh, that state uh, of mind and during that exercise. And you, make, you made a great point with that. He also uh, suggests that you should try to do that for a month uh, so you can create that new habit. And I think that's a really good point because uh, it does help us to establish new habits by trying something for a month. So if, if someone does want to want to try these exercises you know make an attempt to to dedicate yourself to it for for 30 days and really give it a good shot i mean it takes time to to create new habits as it takes time to to break old habits um and and you know that's that's a that's a great point chris thank you well you can even use that 30-day plan as a way of even improving the practice of the plan not just what results you're going to get from, from practicing this, this concept of uh, you know, setting up your day in the morning and reviewing your day in the evening, even the act of doing this, this uh, 30 day challenge, if you will, um, that, that can even be part of it. Well, you know what? I forgot to do my morning thing at the end of the day. I forgot to do that today. Well, then that becomes part of the something that you're going to improve or you want to strengthen this process. Yeah, that's I've huge. Even doing and, it. Absolutely. And that is a, that's huge. And what you had said earlier, too, about, in essence, really, you know, during the retrospection and during the, you know, the contemplation in the morning of what you're going to do during the day is, is not to 
beat yourself up. It is not a session where you sit down and lit, go through a litany of, of things I want to, you know, kick myself in the ass about. It is more uh, a, a type of, um, it's more a type of review based on heart and gentleness and, and having some, some compassion with yourself. Oh, absolutely. Go easy on yourself. Now yeah. be, be firm and, and yeah. you know, hold your feet to the fire, but don't burn sure. yourself. You know, don't knock yourself down. It's That's... an opportunity then to improve that again the next day. Exactly. And I think that's where people sometimes, especially speaking of, of meditation as a good uh, as a good example, because we're talking about that in the book or, you know, or contemplation type exercises where you resolve something like I say, you know, this year, especially, you know, we're still in January and people are talking about New Year's resolutions. And so on this year, I'm going to meditate every day, twice a day for 45 minute sessions and this, that and the other thing you know, that's great and resolve to do great things and, you know, and hold yourself to those examples, but, or not those examples, but hold yourself to those goals. But also if you fall short of your goals, remember you're only one day from, you know, re reestablishing that habit. And, and it's better to, you know, miss a day or two and then get back to it than to sit there and beat yourself up and say, I have no willpower and I, you know, look at me, I can't do this and so on. That's important, don't you think, to 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 bear that in mind? Sure. Whether it's a resolution or a goal or a commitment to a practice like we're talking about, um, you can um, consciously or otherwise use it as a way to beat yourself up or to berate yourself or to say, see, here it is. I didn't do it, you know, do it again or something like that. So just be very careful of that. It's about being honest and open with yourself. And if this hasn't been part of your daily or other every other daily um, practice, it's probably not going to go stellar the first time. You'll probably have some beginner's luck, but there's going to be some ups and downs and you're going to forget or you're going to fall short. Uh, but that's okay because that's part of it. You know, think of a, a child, you know, learning to walk or something. You don't berate them the second day they're trying because they only took two steps and fell down. You go, oh my gosh, that was two steps. Oh, maybe tomorrow they'll do three, you know, so be, yeah. be forgiving and encouraging. Uh, but you're also, but you're not going to sugarcoat it either to where you're saying, oh, well, that's good enough. You don't need to know all that. And say, no, it's, you want to do better, but don't add in that perfectionism or just as, as another, you know, way of, of being self-critical. Exactly. This is, and it's exactly. not about uh, results at this point. Really the, if you're going to do a 30 day practice, the main goal, the main result you want is how, by the end of the 30 days, how well are you doing that practice by the end of the 30 days? Not, say if it's a diet, we'll just use that for example. It's not how many pounds you lose at the end of the 30 days. It's how well you're sticking to your dietary goals. You, exactly. may, not, you may not lose anything. Exactly. You may gain five pounds. Who knows? But if at the end of the 30 days you are eating better, you are exercising more and you're eating better foods and thinking a more positive body image thoughts. That's really what it's about. I can make a parallel with the uh, 12 step, uh, you know, addiction recovery program or concept uh, that this uh, retrospection that Pythagoras and his followers uh, would do at the end of the day, looking back and kind of evaluating that's the 10th step in uh, 12 step uh, recovery oh, good point. is that yeah. uh, at the end of the Very day, good. you know, take personal inventory. Um, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. So it's really about being honest with yourself and to borrow from the program again, it's, it's not about, you know, spiritual perfection. Um, it's really just about maintaining your spiritual condition. It's like, how, how well am I taking care of this? Am I doing better with doing better, not am I perfect at doing this? That's a great, uh, that's a great, great way to look at that and, and a very important point. And also one, one day at a time is a great, uh, a great Absolutely. too, because, you know, if we get caught up in trying to think about, you know, how am I going to maintain this for the rest of my life or how am I going to ever sit for an hour of meditation or, or big, you know, things that seem large, Really, it's not about all that. It's about creating new positive habits 
and doing them one day at a time. And for example, just incorporating in this uh, Pythagoras methodology, you know, of, of before you get out of bed or right after you get out of bed, doing a bit of contemplation on, uh, on where your day's going and thinking about your attitudes towards the different tasks and so on. And then even maybe just taking a few minutes to, to sit quietly and focusing on the breath, just watching the breath go in and out and allowing the mind to quiet and create that gap between your thoughts and actions. It gives you more control. And he talks about, uh, he does talk about that. Um, and I can't, see where let's see i had a i had a great quote for that if you can't it's something i'm gonna worry about it but it's basically saying that if you can't control your mind you can't control your actions and you're not going to be able to control your life so and i mean control in the sense that you know that the, as much as the ego can control a life but you know it gives one a, a, a powerful kind of uh a powerful kind of tool to go into the day with um with more energy and, and I think more focus. And then that second tool, of course, being that retrospection at the end of the night and looking, looking back over the day. So, I mean, if one could incorporate those two practices and take, you know, maybe five, five, 10 minutes in the morning and five, 10 minutes at night and do that for 30 days, you will really see a difference in your life. Would you agree with that? Oh, I would. And if you want to just kind of bear, you know, pare things down to the most, essential and I guess even simplistic form. Uh, and this is something I guess I can credit the uh, 12 step program uh, with um, is that if this is new to you or it seems difficult or daunting, um, you can pare it down to the most essential form uh, and use it like almost as a prayer where in the morning you say, please. And at the end of the day, you say, thank you. Uh, if that's wow. all you got, if that's all you can do, that is incredibly powerful. That's huge. It's huge. Uh, that's a, that's because a beautiful you're getting beautiful yourself point. out of the. Yeah. So it's, it, they could be one, one word <laughs> meditations um, in the morning, but the thing is to try to keep that with you then throughout the day. And at the end of the day, you know, even if you fell short on every marker, uh, you know what you tried it and you recognize that at the end of the day. And if you can do that without self judgment or criticism, then you're just set up even that much better for the next and day. You're increasing every uh, single day. You're increasing your capacity for greater consciousness. And I think that that's the, Oh, it is. That's a yeah. big, that's a big deal. And, and, you know, it, it, um, it's something that, uh, like, for example, I'm going to read a quote that he said that I really liked that I wrote it down. He said, slowly, but surely meditation acts like a leaven in the loaf. Each morning we feel a little better and gradually we experience greater strength to overcome obstacles. And one of those things is just what you said. It's, it's, it is partially the meditation, but it's also largely the new habit that you're creating just to, to do that. And, and you're, you're building those muscles as it were, uh, those, those discipline muscles. I am take, I'm having the discipline to do something each day that's good for me. And I stick with it regardless of whether or not uh, I feel like it that day or what have you. And you push through, you push through. So you're learning persistence, you're learning focus and you're learning discipline. And sometimes I think, you know, we, these days we think of discipline as a negative word, but without discipline, I mean, too much freedom is actually overwhelming and it's, and it's unconstructive. So we need those disciplines and we need those tools to keep ourselves on track. We do. Yeah. We do. And you know, I guess and not to belabor the automobile metaphor, but um, we have to have stoplights and stop signs. We have lines on the road. Uh, we have rules of the road. These are all very necessary. Otherwise, it would be complete chaos and destruction, even more chaotic and destructive than it already is. Uh, but as long as you're obeying those rules um, and then you have really an, then you actually do have an open road. And you can play in your trip and you can go here and you have the freedom and independence and you're in your car and you can drive off and drive this way. Well, I'm going to take a different route. Uh, you're still obeying the rules. There still is a structure, um, but there is also still that freedom without chaos. 
uh, it's, it's a balance between, between the two. That's a great point. That's a very good point. All right. So since we are getting uh, kind of near, you know, near our point at the end of the show, the last thing we were going to talk about, I mean, we still got about 10 minutes, but the last thing that we both thought was a cool portion of this book, and mind you, again, you know, read the book. This is just the first two sections, and we're only going over a few of the things that are in this book. It's such a rich guide to to meditation. It's not the type of book where you necessarily are going to, you know, open it up and it's going to tell you exactly how to meditate. What's more important about it is it's showing you the philosophy and the kind of attitudes that you need and some sort of you, it gets you the leverage to be able to sit down and start doing simple practices. And it gives you some cool background information and, and so on that, that lead you gently onto the path. And that's, what's so great about it. And, the, you know, the, again, one of the neat things that he gets into and Manley Hall's a genius with is of course, uh, symbolism. And he speaks about symbols and he speaks about mandalas in there. And so we're going to look at that a little bit because that is a really great tool. If you're first starting to meditate, to focus on, you can find a cool mandala online that you like, or use one of the ones that are in the book and literally print it out, sit down, sort of lightly fix your gaze on it and stare at it uh, lightly. Don't stare intently, just kind of, you have to un sort of unfocus your eyes and kind of take the image in. And that's a really good contemplative meditation practice. And it helps to unfold latent powers that are within us. And Manley Hall talks about that. So let's talk a little bit about the mandala. Um, I want to read, um, I want to read one thing that he said really quickly. It's, he says, it's no noticeable that the authentic mandala, let me say what a mandala is also. It's a symbol of wholeness. Generally, it's in a circle. And you've seen them, the Tibetans do them well. There's Christian mandalas. There's a million, the Indian and Hindu mandalas that are beautiful, Native American mandalas with the four quarters. It's a circular design that's designed to create a wholeness within you. All right, so it is noticeable that the authentic mandala is always harmonious and balanced in its composition. It's very designed suggesting the nobility of the concept which is embodied. Meditation upon the mandala is therefore an experience of tranquility. So I think that's a beautiful thing. Um, do you have anything to add to that? Well, yes. The maybe the graphical structure. Mm -hmm. um, you're talking about this image of a mandala um, lending it to wholeness, or that concept of, of unity and wholeness. Uh, most of the mandala objects and patterns are, are very symmetrical. Uh, it's either, you know, a circular thing or there's like the four corners or four sides, or maybe it's eight sided, but they're very symmetrical and have some sort of containment that, that they, they are complete within themselves. You know, the rest of the painting doesn't just go off the, the canvas somewhere um, that it's, it is focused in singular, although sometimes they're very complex with different lines and maybe some imagery and symbolism inside them uh, but they're, they're also somewhat abstract even though there might be you know, a symbol of you know it could be an elephant or a you know some other something that's representational of something in the real world but in the mandala they're uh, they're almost abstract like you would look at a piece of art that is you know just a white canvas with a red dot in the middle it's like wow what's that um, but you could sit there and look at it for 10 minutes and contemplate yeah. it and just let that image bring in and the, the real gift of having a, a mandala uh, to look at um, as really the focus for a meditation or a contemplative practice is that if you're focused on this mandala and you're not necessarily interpreting it um, as maybe to its meaning, you're just letting it work on you almost, it's kind of a very active passive combination. Um, you're passively open, but you're actively uh, present with it. Guess what you're not doing? You're not thinking about what happened yesterday. You're not worried about the neighbor's barking dog <laughs> next door. You're Indeed. not uh, frustrated with, uh, you know, what this argument you had and you yelled at somebody and you probably shouldn't have and you have to apologize 
or the aches and pains in your body or what basically you're not thinking or feeling or obsessed with anything else which is the goal of the meditation yeah. is to get removed from this conditioning then you're in a in a purer state and then your thinker and your feeler and your your cognizer of your living being um can actually maybe be free to to be itself for a while you know free from these burdens and chains and then you're lost in this mandala and it's it's not again it's not so much that you're bringing spirit in and you're turning up consciousness or you're elevating your uh you know contemplative awareness you're basically reducing what's getting in the way you are eliminating or by process reducing as much as you can um, all these conflicting confusing things much like you would with a you know police scanner or radio station or something that if there's a whole bunch of signals um, coming in, you're not going to find your station very well. There's a lot of static, a lot of interference, a lot of these yeah, things. Yeah, they talk uh, um, a little bit in Zen about uh, about the uh, concept of polishing the mirror. So in a sense, you're you're kind of cleaning up some of that static and some of that dirt off the, you know, the pure, unstained portion of the mind, and you're tapping tapping into that. Is that sounds like what you're what you're saying to some degree? Um, you're putting all those demands on hold, the demands of the mind and the yeah, heart yeah. and the, the being. You're just putting them on hold. And they'll be there for you when you're yeah. done, all your thoughts yeah. and feelings and all that. Well, that they'll, they'll still be there. The, but you know what? Maybe when you're done with your meditation, after you've been involved in a practice for a while, they may not come back as strongly. They may not be that important. They may not be that troublesome. Yeah, and as they once were exactly and that's you know that's an interesting point that's what i've found and i i talk about that a little bit at the beginning of of my book and i i you know in my own experience with meditation you know i found that over over time you know meditation has helped nearly eliminate things like depression and anxiety and this kind of you know wandering thoughts and all of these things that we take for granted as being just part of the human condition and i'm not saying i don't have any of those things but it it, it definitely gives you perspective and you're not as attached and those things don't affect you in the way that they did when you were not meditating and that's the beauty of them in fact they some of them are even eliminated so you know that's the beauty well those things need to be fed yeah all those past wounds and resentments and, you know, betrayals and anything that's ever happened, things you're worried about in the future, they need to be maintained. And we don't realize this a lot of the time, but we are constantly feeding those things. You know, talk about nursing a grudge, you know, that's a common uh, term. It takes that. They need your psychic energy, yeah. your, you know, mental and emotional energy to to uh, persist. Yeah, you're right. The only reason why we still have them is because we're still feeding them. And this meditation, it, it actually starts off the food supply. So they, you know, they're not so strong on their own. They're only strong because we feed them. And actually that the word resentment is a resentiment is to re feel and to feel again. Yeah. Oh, dad was betrayed. Oh, you know, my girlfriend left me or, Oh, you know, I, lost this or, or whatever it is if you have to keep feeding those things you have to keep feeling them again or or they will just go away on their yeah, own exactly. because they're not really real that's a great, <laughs> um, that's a great the point. thing happened once and this is this is a, a tool to help you basically starve off the food supply yeah. uh for these things and um and get a little bit of clarity a little bit of distance and then when they come up again Maybe you'd be like, well, gosh, do I really want to feed this? Yeah, exactly. Um, no, that's a great point. And I think, uh, I think that that's something, the meditation, again, kind of going back to what we were talking about before, allows you to create that, that gap so that you don't necessarily need to feed. The, the thoughts can come and go. I mean, they're, 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 they're going to be there at times, but you don't get attached to them and they don't, they don't push your buttons like they used to. And I think that's, that's one of the important things uh, one of the important benefits by doing a, a practice of contemplation or meditation, one of the more important ones. All right. So just to kind of wrap up, we went, we, we went over uh, the first and second portions of, uh, of Manly Hall's meditation disciplines and personal integration. Next week, we're going to go over uh, the rest of the book. And then after that, uh, uh, I'd like to actually get into 
to your book soon and talk about that because uh, we keep mentioning it, but I want to actually do a whole show mm-hmm. based on, on, on your book. So we'll, we'll talk about that, but I want the listener to, to be looking out for that. Cause that's going to be a fun one. Um, but so oh, getting back to uh, a quick, quick overview, I think a couple of the things that people can take away from this is one, if you're interested in doing that uh, Pythagoras, uh, the Pythagoras disciplines, the contemplation and uh, retrospection, uh, Google that. There's a lot of information on, online about that if, if, if you want to go deeper into that and, and, and try that 30-day challenge that we talked about. And the other thing that you can do, you know, before reading the book, if you want as well, is to print out a mandala or bring one up on your phone and use that as an object of meditation. Try it for five minutes, just kind of allowing your, your focus to stay on that, that image and see what comes up and just watch the thoughts and so forth and you know, watch the breath and calm yourself down and see how that affects you and just give, give that a shot. Um, and, and try to bring a more contemplative, mindful approach to your, to your daily living. Just be conscious of, of what you're doing. I think those are some of the bigger points that he made and you'll find so many more great things in this book when you, when you get it. And uh, again, and so if you want to go back to the beginning where Chris talks about where you can get the book for free, you can do that, or you can just, you know, Google it or, or, or look it up on Amazon. Do you have anything uh, else to, to kind of tie this up with at the, uh, at the end of the, the program here, Chris? Well, the, um, even the, the title of this, this pamphlet, this is a rather large pamphlet. Um, and again, like you said, it's very, very rich. You could read a paragraph or two and wow, just stop and think about that for a few minutes. Um, that is called Meditation Disciplines. And, and we talked about that and, you know, that discipline isn't a punishment. We thought you're going to be disciplined. That's how it's used in our language today. But that's not really it. If you, if you love ice hockey and you have the jersey and you go to the games and you root for your favorite team and player and everything you're a disciple you're an enthusiast you love it you do it because you want it uh you go out of your way to know the stats and the history of the team and the different jersey and everything else um try to think of it that way not that you're being punished but that you're you're just like you're a fan That's of a this great, like you're just you, you want to get into yeah. it and, uh so we're all disciples and it's mostly about things we're interested in but why not have that same passion for our, our own selves and our own beings that we might have for a, a sport? And I like auto racing, you know, yeah. that's kind of a passion of mine. Yeah. And I know a lot about it and I go out of my way to do sure. things, but, uh, and I'm disciplined. I, I, I show up every Sunday. Yeah. Right? That's a great way to the put scores, it. You know? yeah. uh, it's, it's just kind of bringing that same. Uh, so there's a little bit of lightness and a little bit of playfulness uh, with that word. Dis- it's no, dedicated, it's a very good point. but it's it's not a punishment. Yeah. It's you, you they, the disciples love sure. Jesus. They wanted to be around it. They weren't forced or put up to it or disciplined in it. Uh, and the other part of the title, you know, personal integration, and that's bringing all these faculties together. Um, and we had talked several times about how we want to distance ourselves from maybe, you know, what we're thinking about and what we're feeling and all these things. Um, those are things that actually disintegrate us. Yeah. They send us off into a million little pieces sure. and things. So if we can get the particulars about like what we're thinking about exactly. and what these things are and just get in tune with thinking, feeling and being, um, that is, is where you have integration. That's beautiful. That's a great and point. And I, there's the wholeness that the mandala exactly. has. Exactly. So. And it's not about taking those, the contemplation and the retrospective exercise and so on, not about uh, digging into all these parts that you're upset uh, about or all these actions that you've taken that you're guilty for or so on. It is good to look at those things, but it is more important to get some perspective on them so that they don't push your buttons, make you feel guilty and get you in that negative sort of downward spiral. And I think that's what meditation and contemplation allows you to do is to take stock and inventory and then make, make some decisions and take some actions that are more constructive and more positive in the future instead of going on that downward spiral. So with that being said, uh, I'm glad that you uh, you showed up to speak today. I thank you for for being here again. You know, as a co-host, I, I appreciate it. Well, thank you for having me. And your book is available on Amazon, and it is called what again? 
It's called The Spirit in the Sky. And it's about an experience I had in a plane crash about 25 years ago and how that's affected me since. Uh, Very archetypal and uh, almost dreamlike. You could even meditate on it as well. Um, And I will pitch your book, If You Can Worry, You Can Meditate, uh, also available on Amazon. And that is, it's, it has a lot of conceptual and philosophical things that this Manly Hall pamphlet has, but it also contains in it with some very uh, simple, I would like to say, they're very straightforward um, methods on actually how to meditate and different you know, things that you may come up with, either with your body or your mind or what's, what's going on and how to address those. It's, a, it's really, a, and we should do a show on yours. Uh, as well, because it's uh, it's a great combination of you know what meditation is and why meditation, what it can well, do, and also a very practical and powerful uh, guide for uh, for developing your own practice. Well, there you go, and I so. I appreciate you saying that, and maybe we will uh, maybe we'll do that down the line. We're definitely going to do your book first, but thank you. Okay, um, uh, <laughs> sure. Tune in for our for our episode next week. Uh, it'll be available on. Uh, It'll be available next Saturday uh, in the in the late evening or early Sunday morning, either way. Uh, and we'll do part uh, part three plus. We did parts one and two of meditation disciplines and personal integration, and we're going to hit the next uh, portion of the book next week. So go ahead and grab that if you want to study along with us. Um, thank you again for listening. Uh, Chris's information can be found at chrissheridan.com. And my information can be found at CosmicEye.org. And we appreciate you tuning in. And please uh, listen to the previous podcasts if you want to. Uh, We'll be here again next week. Thanks, Chris. Thank you, Jason. All right. God bless, everybody. Have a great week. Thank you for listening. And please join us next Sunday for a new episode of Cosmic Eye. You can purchase If You Can Worry, You Can Meditate at Amazon.com or through our website, CosmicEye.org.